Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Coming up, why Kyler Murray has Cliff Kingsbury on his knees praying. Outkick 360 rolls on. Final hour is here from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. I look outside, clear blue skies today. That ties in with a great story last night at the magnificent Richland Country Club for PK in a songwriter's evening. Uh, Richland is up there amongst the the best golf courses in the area. Socially uh, elite. I could tell you the story Based really on quick. who visits. Uh, yes. Uh, it's a terrific story. I wish Paul, I could know the guy's it. name. Look, look, up, Strait. look up who wrote that song, Blue Clear Sky. I will. So, uh, the guy, the guy, it was three great songwriters. And this is called Did Operation. Did Gracie get that? Did she hear us? Operation no, she Song. <laughs> oh, for one, Gracie. <laughs> Davy, I think. Oh, is she's on. doing it. Oh, she's got it. Okay. All right. So uh, the the charity is called Operation Song. And what it does is it pairs Bobby veterans. Piero. Veterans. This guy was terrific. It pairs veterans with songwriters. And so the, they hang out together and the veterans kind of tell their stories to the to the songwriters and then the songwriters use, you know, they're always looking for material. They use the guy's stories. The veterans kind of pour their hearts out and the songwriter then uses the material as the basis for a song. It's cathartic for the veteran. It teams them up with a songwriter who's looking for material and they, they come up with something together. It's, it's really, really good. I'll tweet out some information about the chair. It sounds awesome. The, yeah. the idea behind it. Uh, my neighbor, Bob Leonard is, is on the board uh, and is, is terrific. Um, and so then these three guys who had have participated in it were playing some songs they had written a lot of big country hits, including this Blue Clear Sky, which I'd never heard of, that he wrote for George Strait. I think it was maybe his first song, uh, first big song. That anyway. Oh, I don't know about that, but it was big. No, not George Strait's. This oh, guy, this the writer's song. Writer, yeah, the yeah, writer's yeah. first big yes. song. Okay. Anyway, he said, you know, as all songwriting sessions come to, you know, they ask, you know, you got anything? You got anything? You got anything? Everybody says no. And he says, well, I got one thing. He picked it up and Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump said something in the movie about it being a blue, clear sky instead of clear blue sky, and it caught the guy's ear. Well, that's interesting. He said it that way instead of the usual way, and it stuck with him. And so he threw it out at the table. And, of course, you know, they didn't think anything of it until they didn't have another idea, and so they started playing with it, and they, you know, collectively wrote the song. And... So it turned out that George Strait was recording it, and the manager called him and said, why isn't this clear blue sky instead of blue clear sky? And, uh, you know, he started to tell him the story and everything, and George Strait ultimately got on the phone. He didn't even know who was recording it. And he's like, oh, my God, it's George Strait. And uh, he said, why isn't this blue clear sky? Why is it clear blue sky? And he told him the whole story about the Forrest Gump said it this way and everything. And he said, well, do you think people, like, no Forrest Gump or, or, or in the Forrest Gump. He said, well, listen, when I went to the movie, the place was packed. 
And when I came out, there was a really long line of people coming in. This he is said, George Strait asking this. No, well, yeah, oh. and he, he's telling George yeah. Strait this. And, and when On I how came he out, would, how he should say the phrase. Yeah, right. He wanted to change it to clear blue sky. Gotcha. Instead of blue clear sky. But he thought the whole thing was that it was rearranged. He said, when I came out of the movie, there were a lot of people coming in. It's a huge movie. It hit everything, you know. George was like, so there are a lot of gumpers? I said, yeah, yeah, George. <laughs> I, I think there are a lot of gumpers. So he thought he convinced him when he got off the uh, when he got off the phone. Um, and lo and behold, it was number one song for four weeks. It was and, the name of the album. And then he titled the album, and it was the number one album for like four weeks or eight weeks or something like that. The guy made a ton of money, obviously, off this song being so good. And he ran into George Strait like a year later, and um, he said, uh, you know, it was really happy about that song george thanks thanks so much and he said uh yeah i tried clear blue sky i, I just didn't didn't sound right didn't, could, <laughs> couldn't make it work so we went back to blue he couldn't clear, get it right so he had to he had so to you, admit i was going to change it yeah and it just didn't work and i admit that you were onto something by flipping the words is what what made it work so george Strait has 60 number ones it's unbelievable all right and his first was in may of 1982 blue clear sky was 96 so perfectly times up with 94 is when yeah. Forrest Gump came out, when yep. that album was being written. So time-wise, that all plays out. But that's 14 years after his first number one hit in the middle of his career was that well, song. Well, the, the funny thing here is a, another guy wrote Take the Wheel, Jesus. and he, Jesus, Take the Wheel. Jesus, Take the Wheel. Sorry, you know, Carrie my Underwood. country music. And he said the exact same thing. He had this idea in his head, and they sat down. You got anything? You got anything? You got anything? No, no, no. And he said, well, I had this idea, uh, Jesus, Take the Wheel. And they're like... Well, since we don't have anything else, let's play with that. And they played with that, and it turned out to be this huge Carrie Underwood song. We, we could have a, a full show of just chatting about the songwriting aspect of this city. The storytelling um, was as good as the song. And they're, they're all masterful storytellers yeah. because that's their job in songwriting, yeah. right? So, I mean, it's amazing to hear these stories because they all have a great story behind it. And a lot of times, it's just like you said, it's almost... You know, I, I've, I've heard the story behind uh, Honky Tonk Badonka Donk, which became a huge sensation, and it was a joke. It was like three <laughs> right. writers saying, oh, everybody's talking about Badonka Donks and hip-hop. What if we, you know, I've got this idea for a country version, but it's, just, it's like a parody. You know, it's going to be right. a complete joke song, and, you know, lo and behold, it's a huge hit. What would you say the first guy's name was? Bob Della Pietra? Uh, Bob DiPiero. DiPiero. He also wrote Gone. Montgomery Gentry. Yeah. And he played it acoustic. All this was acoustic, obviously, and it was phenomenal. And I listened to it on the way home by Montgomery Gentry, and I'm proud to say they didn't F it up too badly no, when they put country twang on it. it, it that's, that has a hook that just works. Yeah, it's a good song. You know? But I'd well, like to hear great, somebody uh, rock and roll. It was a it. great mid to late 2000s home run trot song. I yeah. believe when Chipper Jones would hit a home run, maybe not Chipper Jones, but just Braves games. They played Gone by Montgomery Gentry, home run idea. the chorus, after they hit a home run. Rock and roll artists should do that. We were talking a lot on the way home, Teresa and I, about, like, you know, I, I'm not a country music guy at all. I knew it would be better acoustic hearing it from the songwriters, but I'd rather hear it from the songwriters. And that's why I like the rock and roll guys, Petty and Mellencamp and Springsteen in particular, because they write it and play it instead of play somebody else's music. And so I wish these three guys on stage were stars, because they're the talent who wrote it. 
Oh, but they don't have the same. They don't have the pipes and the, charisma to yeah, it, right. though. You know, and there is um, there is an aspect. Uh, I, I agree for the most part, Paul, with the, the way the songwriter wrote it is the way I want to hear it. Exactly. But in some cases, some cases there are small little tweaks to a song that just sound better um, when it's done on on the album version of whatever artist is doing it. They make it their own. I've referenced this podcast I listened to before called Hit Parade, where they go into all these songs and how they're made. Not just the songwriter or the artist effect on a song, but the production. You know, these top-notch producers, I was just listening to one with uh, Pharrell Williams, for example, and he would take these hooks from the 70s and even the 60s and turn it into something for a different artist. You know, so this leads... Britney Spears and Madonna and all these artists that just have to go to Pharrell Williams in the late 90s, early 2000s because he's the hit maker. And he's not a songwriter. He's someone who can take a melody or a hook and then turn it into something better. Or you take someone a song and they make it a hit because they change it up. Oh, this needs to be more fast-paced. This needs to be a ballad. Yeah, sure. This it's needs to be something different. Like, that fascinates me too. It's a, it's a combination deal. I want to give a shout-out to all three of these guys. It was Brett James, Jim Collins, and Bob DiPiero. And all three are more terrific. Um, you know, it, this, this may be sacrilegious to, to you guys. Like, I prefer the Jimi Hendrix version of All Along the Watchtower, um, for to instance, to Dylan. Yeah. And, and Dylan's version is great. I mean, he wrote it. But I'm saying, like, the, the way Jimi Hendrix performs that song, I prefer listening to that version of it. Well, this is a constant conversation. Who's that's an example. What cover versions example. are better? Like Jim Croce gets a lot of. Uh, well, not even cover. I'm just saying friends. from the songwriter aspect to how someone else hears, yeah. or, or performs it, uh, and puts their twist on it. You know, uh, uh, Jakob Swanson may want to uh, to kill me after this for, well, for saying that. But you know, these songs are all way too popular for Jakob yeah, Swanson. He, he to prefers appreciate. you know how Dad's Acid would perform that right. version. Well, of some the song. death metal band did "Cinnamon Girl" by Neil Young. That was. Uh, Got a lot of traction. Well, I don't think, but Jakob, even with the death metal, he's not going to listen to a cover from that death metal artist, even if it was original, a popular song. Original that was content covered, only. Only original content that no one's heard of. Is Dad's acid still a thing, Jacob? Can we get a thumbs up on that? Uh, he's no, in a different room. He's now. giving a slash. No, no. They're contractual problems. Thumbs down. The sit-in. Yeah, much they, like, you know, look, like, all uh, good bands break up. You know, I just saw. They're I'm watching old right sixty now. minutes, and uh, and they did a piece on the the Beatles movie that. Uh, the Australian guy put together about, you know, the stuff they did right before their breakup. And, you know, I'm sure Jacob watches that and thinks, you know, it, it, it was a precursor to dad's acid breaking up. It was a precursor to every band breaking up. Um, two quick uh, NFL headlines uh, before we get to the mini camp storylines from today. Um, so you've got Cliff Kingsbury, who's, <laughs> I don't know why I laughed when I saw this last night. He says uh, he's praying every day that Kyler Murray's contract situation is settled before training camp rolls around. Um, I don't know why, but I have a feeling it's not going to be. This is something where the, the Cardinals are looking for the perfect deal and Murray is showing up wanting to get paid, and by the time camp rolls around, if there's not a deal done, things could get ugly. That's why he's praying, because the starting quarterback – uh, could be in a contractual dispute by the time it actually gets time to go play. I'm praying before camp. I just want him there day one of training camp. And Murray, to his credit, has been there um, through the mandatory sessions and, and showed up during the OTAs, which surprised a lot of people, the voluntary sessions of this. I think that is a, a sign that uh, 
he's he's trying to show the leadership qualities that people have have been discussing behind the scenes about him. Um, nonetheless, there's Kingsbury, who shares the agent, of course, with Murray, and has been a storyline going back prior to the draft and right after they were knocked out of the postseason, the wild card round, uh, where they are linked at the hip. And if Kingsbury, who's going into year four of this guy's, doesn't have Murray, I think we've looked at it from the other aspect. If he doesn't have Murray, what does that mean for his future as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, I mean, it's just... Uh, this is a big year for both of them. Neither of them have great stock right now, so the question is, like, they need, who, they can, need who can do better? And neither of them can do well without the other doing well, really. So you're right. I mean, they're, they're tied. Uh, and they either, odds are they both do well or they both fail. The odds of one of them surviving the other, out surviving the other, seem pretty limited. Like what are the, if Kyler Murray does well, that means Cliff Kingsbury's doing well and vice versa. Right. I, I, here's what I, I – so Cliff Kingsbury, right? Let's just start with him offensively. I feel like Cliff Kingsbury should not be a coach with his offensive background – that needs to be tied to any one quarterback. I also think that Kyler Murray, number one overall pick, should be a quarterback that can do a number of different things with different coaches, right? So I understand where they're tied together right now, but I feel like that should not be the case for both of them ultimately. But I think it is, (laughs) right? I don't think Cliff Kingsbury, if he's not going to be successful now, he's not going to be successful. So, as a head coach, right? Do you, do, do, would you vote thumbs up or thumbs down on where they're headed? I vote thumbs down. Thumb, I think thumbs down. three years through Kyler Murray, now, verdict is generally in on a quarterback. I may be dead wrong uh, based on what you guys think of, of where this is going. I think Kyler Murray can survive and get a contract extension without Kingsbury having success. I don't think Kingsbury okay. can stick around. Well, without Tyler Murray working, yeah, uh, look, it's hard to find quarterbacks. It's not hard to find coaches. But, the, but I, I agree with that. But I, 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 I do stand by the offseason sentiment I have. There, it just feels like this is one or the other, and they're both fighting for that foothold. Um, you know, and, and there's and the a, time, the time to win that foothold. If you're Kingsbury, was this this past offseason prior to the draft? If you didn't want to move forward with him, um, and now that. That time has come and gone, and therefore, you, I mean, the backup quarterback in Arizona is Colt McCoy. Trace McSorley is there now, and then for the preseason, guys, Jarrett Garantano oh. is going to be taking reps within the offense for yeah. for Cliff King. And uh, the day God after the preseason's over, the Cardinal soul. The day after the preseason's <laughs> over, he'll be uh, auditioning for the XFL <laughs> or guy, the USFL. I mean, there is going to be uh, an undrafted free agent safety that's going to have seven pick sixes uh, come camp. There's a third name to this. You know the Titans have a joint practice with the Cardinals. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe uh, Amani Hooker. Or... Theo Jackson's going to do exactly Theo what he did Jackson. in college. There He's going to go. have a bunch of pick sixes. There's a third name to this <laughs> hut that we should consider also, Steve Kahn who, by the way, drafted Josh Rosen 12th overall yep. and got a reset. Not, you know, the coach isn't getting a reset. Quarterback probably isn't getting a reset. But the GM got a major reset. Maybe before that, he got a Steve Wilkes reset. He got a Josh Rosen reset. Where's he in this? So he drafted, he drafted Rosen, too? Yeah. I thought he inherited – my bad. I thought he inherited that and well, then inherited one the year. number one now, pick. He's been there a while. I'm, I'm virtually 2017 certain. 2017 would have been the draft here, right? No, 2019. 
Yeah, I, yeah. He's been there a while. I think he's been there seven. seven I think if years. I'm going, I don't know personal relationships within that. You know, the ownership and them. But if I'm ranking, you know, best, uh, safest to least safe, I'm going Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, Steve Kahn last in terms of the quickest one to get the axe. And he he doesn't have Hopkins there for the first month and a half of the season, so. It's a it's an interesting saga with the Cardinals. Um, interesting response to a a position. Well, it's not even a, it's not a battle because they've they've the backups already conceded the battle. But I brought up yesterday, guys, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, and how Melvin Gordon responded uh, as the vet and by saying like I think there's this and they split carries almost identically, two hundred each last season. Um, Gordon came in this year and he goes, there's this perception that I'm coming in here and I'm rolling over and laying down for Williams to now take over as the lead bell cow of the offense, and I'm, I'm the backup now. And he's like, I'm not here to be the backup, just so everyone is aware. And I, I love that. Even though the organization likely wants Williams to be the guy because he's the younger version and you know, you're, you're moving forward now and you'd like to have a number one and not, you know, half here, half there. And you expect Gordon to drop off. Sure, yeah. Um, that's, that's not the case uh, with the, the answer from uh, Taylor Heineke. Well, it, it was surprising to me because last season, while he's starting off the bench and then he becomes the guy and he's on Thursday night football and he wins a game and he says, I'm going to prove I, I can be a starter for this franchise. He has now said that Carson Wentz's contract, he's the, he has no shot to be the starter. Um, that might be true. That is true. Um, I don't like that. But from, from Heineke, who has always had the fire to be the backup slash starter guy. And this is not Matt Ryan. This is, this is Carson Wentz, who's on his last opportunity. His final opportunity to be... The offseason unquestioned starter. And you've got Heineke there who has been looking for an opportunity to prove himself. And it's not like they drafted a guy in the first round or they went out and signed someone. It, they've, they've traded for Wentz, but it's, it's not like Wentz is allow me to the play, future. L- allow me to play devil's advocate here. Yeah. <clears throat> this is Heineke voicing his frustration that they gave Wentz that much money because he sees himself okay. as as good or better than Wentz. So this is, this is not a, I defer to this guy. This is an, a pronouncement that it's ridiculous that the system is rigged for Carson Wentz over me. That this organization would give this much money in a contract to him when I'm here. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. So you could call it defeatist or whatever, but it's reality. He's saying, well, the contract in front of me. Yeah, it, it's it's his job, not mine. I, I just like I like what Melvin Gordon said. I appreciate what Heineke says here. Candor. 
I'll go semantics. Uh, oh, we love semantics. Tell me again. Read, read what you said, Hut. His quote? Yeah. He said that he was asked about if he's going to compete, uh, if there's going to be a quarterback competition okay. uh, in his media availability. He said, I don't think that's an option. I don't think that's an option. I'll, I'll go semantics. I don't think that's an option for opening day. I don't think that's an option for the first six weeks of the season. I don't think that's an option until Carson Wentz falls on his face. And he said Carson. But also Heineke stunk last year. Heineke's the reason that well, they went and got Carson Wentz. Yeah, but they didn't go get. I, I understand. I agree with you. But they didn't go get the answer either. No, I, there's limited right? options for them, and they're unattractive for and the it, people I, I who know. went it, to big. They're unattractive to Russell Wilson. And he's right. I mean, they they did go spend a ton of money on this. I mean, he's making twenty eight point three, um, as part of that extension that he signed with Indy. But it's it's I don't know for for a guy like Heineke who Chad's right he's he's likely viewing himself on the same wavelength right clearly not on the same tier pay wise but on talent well, uh, on, on what he can do with the team around him he's all the players always going to think that they can do better than what the public perception yeah, would be right every player well and he's and also I'm sure talked to coaches who told him it's not an option. That they brought him in to be the starter. Well, You're when the you watch a transaction happen, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. Again, I, I don't blame Taylor Heineke here because this is not Taylor Heineke saying I'm not deserving of the job, or I can't win it, or I can't be a starter in this league. I'm not as good as he is. He's saying it's not an option. I, I can't put myself in the game or in the competition if I'm not allowed to compete. It sounds like you know you're the backup and you're the starter, Carson. So back him up. You're not competing for this job. That's the way I took it. Facts of life. Wentz, I think Wentz needs him to say what Melvin Gordon would have said. Like, just oh, challenge him? I don't yeah. know that I don't Wentz know. I is think the, the other way. I think type. he needs a pillow uh, to lay down in front of him and be but he's soft had that, and be though. unchallenged. I mean, I mean, when challenged with winning in Jacksonville in the season, how did he respond? <laughs> it's a lot better when things are comfortable for him. Well, it's very comfortable with the contract, but this this is the last opportunity for him just to end now, up I'll, somewhere I'll where say he's this the about, starter. I'll he's say this guy. about Carson Wentz. While he may not be um, at all times what we would say is the mentally toughest quarterback, he is physically tough. We saw him here in Nashville. With two ankles. Play through a lot I, of pain. I agree. Also, and I was shocked he was listen, able to do anything. He's substantially better than what they've had in Washington. Yes. And Washington has no uh, – Washington might have expectations of winning – that division because it's a poor division or contending for a wild card behind Philadelphia or Dallas. But he's, this is like we talk about Tannehill in, in Tennessee, what would be next for Tannehill. If this is it for Tannehill in Tennessee, Tannehill will go somewhere where Tannehill will be a very good option for a team that's, this is a vast improvement for Washington. It's had no stability at quarterback and no whatever. Carson Wentz's numbers as we looked at him last year, not bad at all. For a middling team to get Carson Wentz is an upgrade. As much as we don't like Carson Wentz's mental toughness and as much as we don't like the results he got in, in two crucial games at the end of last year, plug him in with a fresh start in Washington, he's an upgrade. Maybe, I, I, I guess I'm being too hard on him uh, for the quote. I just want, I gravitate to the guys who have the no one stepping over me type mentality. Like, Gardner Minshew's not a long-term starter in yeah, the NFL. But, he's a but Gardner character. Minshew would have answered that question a different way. Yeah, but Gardner Minshew is the exception, not the rule. 
Well, and I'm with you. I wish there were more Gardner Minshews. But also, if, if Heineke, Heineke was talking like Gardner Minshew, I'd be like, what the hell is he talking about? Did you see him but play he, last year? But he year? was kind of talking like that last year. He, after a well, crazy he no win, uh, he's talking with Michael Irvin on Thursday Night Football on NFL Network postgame. And he's saying, uh, my goal, uh, I, there is no, what do I have to prove? Like, I'm, I'm going to prove it every week and blah, blah, blah. But he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm the starter. Yeah. I'm the guy. But ultimately, what was his that body That wasn't of, the same mentality. Yeah, ultimately, what was his body of work? Like, I was rooting for him. I remember us having a conversation, talking about him. Like, we all wanted him to yeah. do it. But he ultimately didn't do it. He forced him to go look. Hit us up on uh, Twitter, at Outkick360. We've got some minicamp headlines, including... There's a... From, from Titans minicamp, there's a storyline here with the next big player contract. If it's not this offseason, it's coming for Jeffrey Simmons. But how they're going about handling that situation currently. And... Kenny Pickett and the reports of how he's looked so far in minicamp with Pittsburgh. I was complaining yesterday. It's very difficult to find a report that points to a negative on guys. Kenny Pickett, the one first-round quarterback, we've got some reports on what he's looked like. And if you're a Steelers fan, you're probably looking to the free agent signing more than you are the rookie right now. That's next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on across... The Outkick Network. Paul, let us know what happened today at Titans Minicamp, one of the 15 camps going on today, mandatory minicamps. Most of the, the reports are going to tell you, just for a little background here, it's a three-day practice. The majority of these practice weeks will be two days long two days with long. a team event of some sort tomorrow. That's built in as some reward for whatever reason. Yeah. And I mean, the Titans didn't even schedule any media stuff for tomorrow. So it's, uh, you know, foregone conclusion that they're not practicing. It's rare to find a Wednesday uh, practice that isn't the last one of a mini camp, even if you start on Tuesday. Tomorrow's practices across the league will be uh, small. Yes. So, um, I mean, the big story out there today was that Jeffrey Simmons didn't practice again, and he spoke to the media. Um, I respect the fact that he didn't hide, but um, it was, I, I wrote, you know, kind of a walkthrough quicksand with him trying to explain, you know, his team has a plan, but he doesn't really know if they're talking contract because his part of the plan is to... To clarify, his team is not the Titans right, his he's talking team, about. His, his, his team of uh, representatives, if you will, his business team. Um, but he doesn't know what they're doing because he's concerned with football, but he didn't play football the last two days because that's not part of the plan either. Um, and Vrabel and Terrell Williams, the defensive line coach, both said um, he's doing exactly what we asked him to do. So what they asked him to do is watch film and do some light conditioning. Now, coincidentally, there's not another single healthy veteran. They said he's not hurt. Um, his position coach said he's not hurt. Coincidentally, there's not another single healthy veteran who was asked only to watch film and condition. So reach your own conclusions. My conclusion is it's a hold-in, um, and, and he's bidding for a new contract here in the most friendly way possible. Um, and, and the team's accommodating by, uh, to a degree by not being upset with him. But I don't know why somebody couldn't just say, Jeffrey's here, 
he's trying not to be a distraction, but there come point in time where people want to sort out contract stuff and, and he's taking a pause to do that. I realize that they are going into year four of a possible five-year contract. And it is a five-year right? contract because the option's been exercised. It is, okay. Uh, but what I'm saying possible because I think most people think or believe Rookie that they'll extend him before that. after next season. Why would this be going on right now if they were not talking about a possible extension after year three? Because this is the only time but why you would can they really do anything? Why would they? Um, not not from Simmons' stance. I'm saying from the Titans' stance. Like, why would they go along with this for two days and let it build until training camp if they were not willing to talk, negotiate, and negotiate well, and extend? Now, that's a good question. But I think they don't really have an alternative. Because the, what could they I do think you outside up, of pick a fight? Well, but then I think if if you're doing it now. To me, you're, if you're not interested in extending him after year three, which I'm not saying it's the right move. Uh, financially, it could, it could be. I tend to think that it, the longer you wait, the more you pay. But, but the other thing to do you, is set a precedent for a good set first a precedent, rounder. But, but you're also setting, you're setting the stage for him to be extremely pissed off in July whenever the team reports. So... It's like, to me, that's what you want to avoid. I don't know why you would lead down. You wouldn't make him available and have him. An, I don't know. It, it. I don't know why you would do this if you were not willing to at least talk to the team, the management team for him, if and when he gets that settled before training. Well, I camp. think you probably talk and outline your plan for him, which to me would be next spring or summer. Um, your your plan, that, which I mean, the guy's going to get a whopping payday. He's a hell of a player. He might be the best player from the 2019 first round. Yeah. If he's not, he's second to Bosa, unless Kyler Miller, uh, Ky Murray, Kyler Murray explodes. Um, so I mean, he's got a very strong case, but it might just be a hurry up and wait. Yeah, and and I I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I I just I'm trying to read between the lines here, and I don't know why you set up this type of storyline. Uh, by saying, you know, it's not a, uh, it's not contract related. He's not hurt. Well, they may have had no choice I, but to deal with is. the storyline, and then they failed to deal with it well, which well, is not uncommon for but, them. So, as we've so but let me let me let me say let me give you my logic here. So, Derrick Henry has no more guaranteed money left on his deal. Yeah, we both thought this was more likely to be Henry than Simmons. Um, I think based on what's left on their deals. Well, and it still it still could end up being like a not an extension, but like a. Some type of guaranteed money. For hey, we'll him. guarantee six of your twelve this yeah, year. Yeah, but, but here's, here's my point with much. the two. Derrick Henry is practicing. If Derrick Henry goes out and has a non-contact injury and blows his knee out, he has zero guaranteed money for this upcoming year of the twelve point whatever that's on the deal year, for him. Twelve and a half. And and while I understand he's more likely to get that money, it's not guaranteed in any capacity currently. So business-wise, it makes no sense for him to step foot on the field for a practice that doesn't mean that much. That's why I say it's not that big of a deal for Simmons to sit over there with a hoodie on. Ultimately, it doesn't mean that much. But they're, they're saying, you see, they're, they're, I think, wanting to talk about a possible extension and not get him hurt. And I'm not saying they want Henry hurt. 
but they also know they they owe him nothing and he's 28 going on 29 30 and there's a big discussion about whether or not post 30 you want to invest in a veteran on a third deal but you definitely want Simmons as a long-term anchor for your roster and he's been that and he's only improving my point is to me it's a message that the team is going is willing to meet Simmons halfway here and I have no indication to say that they're not doing that with Henry either because Henry's there and he's always been the team guy behind the scenes Here's the thing I, with I, Henry, I just, though. It's a weird message to send if you're not willing to talk to Simmons' group about giving him the extension after you Here's three. the thing with Henry. After week one, he's a vested veteran. His salary guarantees. Okay. Right. Does that happen with Simmons? I don't think so. I don't know for sure. But Simmons, just going into his fourth year, not a vested veteran, I think his... And it's only two point two two million, so it doesn't really matter. But well, like it's based for Bosa, on games, not years. So I, I mean, I but you'll have Bosa, to help me on that. Yeah, but the games I think are, are four years worth of games. You yeah, have to he, vest your. He missed the first six weeks your, of his rookie season. Year. So, but hit that season vested. Um, but Henry's money, talking about it not being guaranteed, once he makes it to opening day, that well, twelve million point, this year guaranteed. But but if you're from a, I'm, I'm strictly talking business here. From a business sense. If you're Henry, who's not gonna he's not gonna play in the preseason. He's barely gonna practice team drills. Right. He's, so he's, he's, safe. he's not going to he's, practice against the Bucks or the Cardinals in full pass. Odds of him getting hurt before so opening what's day. What's he very doing soon. out there? Like other than showing that his foot is completely ready to go, what's he doing out there that Simmons is worth Simmons has got two point two guaranteed. Not guaranteed. So, uh, this year. I don't think it's guaranteed though. It's it's his base salary. But can we also ask why is Simmons not there practicing? I well, mean, Derek yeah, Henry's setting an question. example. He's there. He's going through it. He's showing that his foot's a little bit better. I mean, well, he he's showed up being, and went through the motions of he's the physical. Being, being and, a part of the team. I mean, I don't. I, I just hate that. And I'm not disagreeing with you, Hutton. I think the business side, what you're saying, these are legitimate questions. But I, I hate that we're now to the point where we're just asking a question about everyone who's under contract that could possibly make more now or later, why are they even there? Well, it's not about... Why are they playing? Why are they contract. practicing? It's about what's guaranteed on your deal. Like, so Tannehill's getting the guarantee of how much this year? Like uh, 26 million? 27 maybe, yeah. Henry's got zero guarantee. Like, there's a big difference in that gap from a what you mean to the team, the, the offense, the deep... Like, from just from a, a the 30,000 foot, what would a superstar do... What Henry's doing, even if it's a minimal risk, you don't want to take a risk well, in I June. I applaud him for doing it. I mean, I, I, this is – Derrick Henry signed that contract. But, and he got his Where it got but, to this and his guaranteed money's but here's out why now. He's I, don't, doing it. I don't think the Titans and Derrick Henry – well, we know Derrick Henry didn't because he's there. But I don't think the Titans signed that contract with him thinking, well, you know, once his guaranteed money's out, we just won't expect him to ever show up for practice until he has to before he's not fine. Well, they, I mean, that's – and they're he said, not, I still am under contract when he was asked about it. Yeah, good for him. But they're, they're not practicing him when he's due the, the big guaranteed money. Like the, he, he barely, and he, he does what he's asked here. I'm not saying he sits yeah, out. He's there, though, and he's at he's, the Titans' disposal. But he's there, he's there, in my opinion, to show that his foot is a 2021 issue. It's not a 2022 concern, and that he is 
worth whatever guarantee it's necessary to bump up whatever it would be this year on the contract. Here's they, the thing, though. He can only show that so much in this. He needs to be in real contact practices and even games, to me, to prove that. And he's not going to be in those until this week year one. when the contract kicks in. Week right. one, when, the, when, the, when he locks in his $12, that 12 million. million. But right. that, that's my point. You're locking that in by the time you can prove it. Exactly. You want the guarantees just Before to get that. things going. And then from Simmons' standpoint, this is about contract number two. This isn't contract number three. So he's about to cash in for the first mega moment. And if he can do it earlier rather than later, he can now become, other than Donald, the highest paid player at his position. And that might be truly beneficial for him, despite what could be on the horizon if he waits a year. I'd be concerned about the precedent. Here's why. You just had A.J. Brown, who was good for, through three years, second-round pick, yep. came to a head. Now you're going to have a first-round pick who you technically have under contract for five years, and if you do something now, came to a head. You've then set precedent. If you're a good player through three years, something happens. And you can't do that because salary cap-wise, you got to get through four years with good players. Right. You. Or you have to be able to, to come to something with them through three years. And if you're going to either trade or renegotiate through three years, you're accelerating the timetable for your good players. And this team isn't drafting enough good players, so you're, you're really a, it's a, it's putting a, it's a, it's a premium on that. For a pre, they put a premium on Simmons' position, though. They clearly don't at wide receiver. Yeah, they should. Um, the team is built through the run game and defensive line. So that that's I mean AJ is a premium on 22 other teams across the NFL. It just doesn't it's not one of the 10 in the league and it's certainly not in the top 2% where the Titans sit on how they view that. Unfortunately not. So Simmons is in an interesting spot because he is they've invested in Landry and Dupree. There's no like if he knows there's no way they let him go. Right, they, there's no way they don't extend him. Can he accelerate the extension? However, he plays this, and the way he's playing it is by not practicing, but he's a, he's there for and whatever. Look, I that's fully worth. expect him if it doesn't doesn't get done to play play his ass off, play well. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May fifth. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And then, in 20, you know, God yeah. forbid he, he gets hurt. But then when he gets to 2023, he's going to make so much money, he's going to forget that 2.2. He had eight and a half sacks last year. He had... Multiple quarterback hits and pressures. He, he was excellent. He was really good against the run. Um, Trubisky in, in Pittsburgh reportedly has a significant lead over the rookie, the first-round pick in Kenny Pickett. I don't think it's a, it's a headline that he's, he's leading the, the quarterback competition. I read this report as it's not much of a competition as the media gets a glimpse at what's going on and they prepare for training camp. Well, also the question then becomes, um, how good is Kenny Pickett against live rush? You know, can, can he outscore Trubisky 
at reading and dealing with pressure because that's the big thing that changes starting in camp and then particularly in games. Here's my prediction. Trubisky will continue to look better uh, up until the season starts. We'll get a month into the season, and everybody's going to be calling for Kenny Pickett. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and that's probably that's, that, that's true. And Kenny Pickett's going to be a gamer that's as opposed not, to Trubisky, who's not. But that's not how it works this time of year when you have a first-round pick at, at, at quarterback. Oh, I'm not denying he Trubisky, looks bad right now. Trubisky's the guy, not you know the the vet. It's not like Roethlisberger, and they just drafted the first yeah, round. I, I don't. Again, I don't deny that Trubisky looks better in minicamp, and he will. Also look better in training camp and practice. But I, I guess I'm telling you, Kenny Pickett is more of a gamer than Trubisky. Well, also and he's going to look better in if games. If Trubisky cannot throw picks and hand the ball off to Harris, and the defense can be the defense, Trubisky can start and be limited effectiveness and go six weeks, and they can be—I don't have their schedule in front of me—but they could conceivably be four and two and and look good without great quarterbacking and without a call for Pickett. There's just a there's a different expectation level with Pickett than there are any other quarterback that we're comparing and him to right Pittsburgh. now, and with Pittsburgh, that's right. And um, I, I would say this time of year, it's extremely hard to look bad. It should not be this clear cut. It, to me, you've got to be awful. It's more about Pickett looking awful in these practices than Trubisky just lighting it up because these guys covering this team are smart enough to know that throwing against air is not how we judge Mitchell Trubisky's play. Um, but the reports are more about how Pickett is throwing against one-on-one coverage and the like. Something to follow, but it's not it, to me. It's uh, it's surprising that we are at least having the discussion right now as they break minicamp that it could be a competition. That's not happening. Uh, World Cup venues will be announced tomorrow. There will be ten of these and. We, there are plenty of obvious uh, candidates here that will be announced tomorrow. Nashville is one that's on the fringe that has been making a huge push to host the World Cup. We, we will uh, we'll discuss what the options are and what we expect for tomorrow's announcement on Outkick 360. Game one of the Stanley Cup final faces off tonight. Colorado hasn't played since June 6th. It's June 15th. It's crazy. They will face off against Tampa Bay, the back-to-back champs in the NHL. Um, chances that Nashville is among the 10 venues for the World Cup, Paul. We're getting everything else. What have you heard? Yeah, it's not sounding great. Ben Wright did a good story. Talked to Butch Spiridon of the Convention and Visitors Bureau. Ben Wright of uh, Broadway Sports. Spirit and says, FIFA has been as tight-lipped as anything I've ever seen, witnessed, worked on, collaborated with, so I don't have a good read. I do, however, feel exceptionally good about our proposal, our site visit, our facilities. I don't think we could have done any better. I would say if they don't select this town, it would be a, bit, a, a missed opportunity for them. But everything I've seen predicting towns does not have us in it. Grant Wall, who maybe is the preeminent um, soccer writer in the city, um, in his first column last month, named the 10 U.S. cities of the 16 bidding that he thought, um, says Atlanta, Dallas, Houston, Kansas City, L.A., Miami, New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, San Francisco, and Seattle. On the bubble, Boston, Kansas City, Baltimore, Washington. No mention of us. Edmonton may end up out 
which could give room for an 11th U.S. city, which he thinks may end up being Baltimore, Washington. Uh, Pro Soccer Talk, which is connected to uh, the NBC Sports thing, didn't mention Nashville in its thing. The one thing Nashville has going most for it is the the city atmosphere, the self-contained thing. We know, uh, look, Kansas City's got a good chance because Chicago's out and they need a Midwestern town. But Arrowhead's independent. A lot of these stadiums are independent. Nashville being all together, even with construction going on over there, is different. And why play in Nashville when you can play in a rice paddy like they did last night in El Salvador? I didn't see it, but it's... That was We have so few chances to play together to get ready for the World Cup, and that night is just a waste. I mean, it looked like... um, like an elementary playground that had been tore up. Like you yeah, took the like jungle a, gym out and just had a flat surface. Looked like a rodeo. That's what the field looked like. Well, on the bright side, the officiate, Is, officials. Will they play were, through literally anything? You know, like, I, I used to hear, my brother used to say, like, if you drop the ball from your waist at midfield and it bounced, you played. But they'll play through anything outside of lightning. I but think. Nothing was bouncing last night <laughs> on, that, on that pitch. I don't think it was bouncing before the rain. Announcement, I think, 4 o'clock Central tomorrow. Cross your fingers, cross your toes. Nashville gets everything. If we miss this, this is the biggest thing. And this has been a four-year bidding war. So we'll we'll discuss the the issues that could have been at play if they don't end up with one of these ten spots. Or we'll celebrate. And if they do, it's it's a great win. We're back at it tomorrow on Outkick 360. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks.